Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Sundown and I'm feeling lifted. Downtown cherry lipstick. Watch your silk dress dancing in the wind. Watch it brush against the skin. Makes me want to try your own. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm riding high tonight uh, because last night I got to watch the, the New Orleans Pelicans uh, get out to a big early lead and then survive a pretty furious comeback attempt by uh, Luca and the Mavericks uh, and, and win a real nail-biter uh, despite not having Zion... Brandon Ingram or Herb Jones playing. Uh, I guess I should probably say up top that uh, there's no Max this week, so it's a, a sports cast. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> NBA cast. If you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't understand what any of those words I just said meant, like that's why. Uh, but the uh, the effort was spearheaded by Trey Murphy, uh, who scored twenty two points i want to say and was like he was perfect from the field he was eight for eight he uh he absolutely yammed on somebody and just couldn't stop making threes uh and we we were sort of talking about this before we started recording and kevin you you came with what i a a a biased person thought was a a pretty uh a pretty trash take. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of, it's a, it's a take I don't even really believe in, but <laughs> that's, that's the, the problem I'm having with you it. You should work at ESPN. I, <laughs> I have an attachment to Trey Murphy and am excited when he does well. I have no attachment to the Pelicans and, you know, presumably this comes because Trey Murphy played at UVA and I'm a degenerate UVA basketball fan that watches every game, including the one ye- the one COVID year where Trey Murphy was like the fourth option on our team, and we bowed out in the first round to Ohio. So it's just like objectively, it feels like he's not a UVA player. But I would use for any any player who does well, and I can like put that UVA hook onto him. I guess I will. So yeah, it, it just feels wrong. And, and I think part of this is. We're, we're not turning over any new stones here. Fandom is a weird thing, and, and no two people have the, the same... Well, I, I don't think no, no two people have the same things going into it, unless you were like, if this person touches my team, I will forever root for them. But I don't think I don't think people even necessarily do that. You like certain people more or less based off of, you know, whatever goes into your, your particular calculus. But there is an interesting amalgam there, which is, you know, Sean is you are a fan of the pelicans admittedly the pelicans have not existed your whole life similar to kevin and i in in the nationals um and us going to uva like maybe our fandoms growing up you know uh, changed we we went to school and in all of this i think is perfectly encapsulated in some ways the the weirdness of these fandoms how they get twisted and such in in 
I think especially the NBA draft. You can say for the NFL draft, it, it plays into it too. I think that's the closest one, but that one can be really weird because the NFL, you know, grinds you into, um, you know, some kind of nut butter very quickly and then nothing matters anymore. But the optimism and the fun of everything coming together in the NBA draft, I think is something that we, the three of us, think about a lot. We do, and you know, uh, we've <laughs> we we've spent many many an hour, uh, you know, uh, I think particularly when we would convene for our first weekend of the tournament trips, uh, the three of us would just turn into uh, like draft class remembering machines. Um, yeah. At, to a point where I'm sure it, it, it must have frustrated Max. Um, but, but one of the, the things, like one of the reasons that we do that stuff is that, you know, much in the same way that you look back on, you know, high school or college or whatever time that may be in your life, you know, the draft season, the allure of draft season is that it's pure uncut Colombian possibility. You have yeah. your whole, you have your whole future ahead of you, even though you had your whole future ahead of you this exact same time last year. And so like, even though, you know, even though we've been through these motions several times before, when, when there started to be rumors that, the Pelicans, the NBA team that I love, were uh, were interested in Trey Murphy, a player from Virginia, the college basketball team that I love. I got an unreasonable level of excited. I I, I was giddy for for months, just hoping that it was going to happen, and then it happened. And just and now I feel like it has enhanced I mean the the fact that the fact that Trey is on my NBA team of choice has enhanced my enjoyment of him and in his mm -hmm. NBA career and vice versa the fact that my NBA team has dipped into the the program that you know that we all support with varying levels of degeneracy and defend from uh, a world that doesn't understand it. Like it has enhanced my appreciation and enjoyment of the Pelicans too. Like it's this wonderful yeah, and, virtuous cycle. And, and I think something that is very funny to think about in that, uh, and, and Kevin, I know that you will appreciate is, is a, as someone who has rooted for the wizards before and maybe this doesn't happen with the wizards i will say but when when your team uh has a draft pick or when there's a player you like and they're drafted by a team and you get this optimism what is baked into that is that you're not only optimistic about the future of the team because you have some i don't know understanding or something um and also the future of the player but inherent in that is you are optimistic and trusting of the choice by by the front office of these teams. And I just want to point out, you know, 
UVA has gotten better over the years. When when Joe Harris got picked by the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were pro- they they were uh, well. I forget if it was when they were dipping or rising, but you know, let's give examples of of the Hawks recently picking DeAndre Hunter and the Pelicans having two picks in the in the top ten. Basically, like you are trusting these groups that were just very bad and being like, this is it. This this is we're going to enter these optimistic days. Um, and you think mm-hmm. we would learn. But, you know, even for, for, I don't know, the Kings, I'm like, oh, Keegan Murray, he's a cool guy. That's going to work. That's going to be perfect with uh, Sabonis and, and De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. And that is wrong, I know, but I, I know will do it again. That. I will do it again. <laughs> no, you got to – there's a, there's a line at the Kings and the Browns. You just know. Yeah. You know better. That's true. But I think that that's one thing that makes the, the draft uh, different from a lot of other – sports media is like not even just me internally but it the takes are usually about here are the reasons why i like this guy more than this guy not this is why this guy sucks and so it's nice to have that positivity from the outside but just also internally i think that like what what choice do you have other than to think that the pick's going to work out like when the wizards took jan vesely i was like i have no idea who this guy is uh he's and you know from Europe, people say good things about him. He, they took him like what number four? Like he has to be, he has to be good. You see some highlights, and it, it, the, the optimism was short lived. But it was, it was nice while you had it, and sometimes it works out. And then also sometimes you get Johnny Dawkins, and it's like that guy was a baller at Wisconsin, and you know maybe he'll add some toughness to this team, and it doesn't appear to something appears to be wrong there. But um, so you know whether it's uh an absurd talent that you've never seen or just like this big 10 player or just this shooter who didn't get the ball enough in college like you can always find a you know a way to make it to make it work or almost always Um, there is a line with the kings and there's also a line with 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 some players like Hashim the beat, I never saw. Well, and and there's also a line with the wizards who who rot your brain, and I I will, I will say I am cursed with the knowledge both that it was number six, and that his name is Johnny Davis. But that I think that kind of makes the point that it, it hasn't really hasn't really worked out for those. You know, it hasn't really worked out for Davis and and Vesely is something that you you hope will disappear into a. Uh, a haze of memory until we're in person we're you know we're together in person in a couple days and we can sort of poke and prod you about it but like you know these these moments of nostalgia are 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 good even when you look back and you think like man it's a, a real shame this didn't work out but like it it gives you a window back into you know who you were 10 years ago like hey remember when we all thought Derek Williams was going to be pretty good oops we really botched that one you know and it's it's stuff too like one one thing that that is kind of natural and we do all the time is is we look back and we say like okay um and not not like if we redrafted but just looking at I I will go on Wikipedia all the time or, or basketball reference and just look at at go through the picks and like see how far you get before you find somebody who is an all NBA player and and you laugh at at certain drafts that were just notoriously bad and you get to pick like forty before you're like 
yeah that person was pretty good or are there a couple before that um you know and it i think it's fun to remember because because that's the thing too with the nba draft specifically there are only 60 players picked every year and at least a quarter of them never even come to america so when you go back and you're thinking about oh remember when david Kahn picked uh uh johnny flynn and uh ricky rubio and not steph curry now at the time did we kind of know that that was that was a bit bold i think so i i think the reactions knew that johnny flynn would be bad ricky rubio yeah ricky rubio is still in the league and is, is very serviceable but he's it, that's the thing is you go back and you're like all right they picked him with with the you know i think like the fifth it must have been the fifth pick or something um and you go he's, he's good he's solid he's had he's had great years but he's kind of topped out at a mid-level or or a good or a mid-level player or a good backup and in that room you remember that and you remember the the narrative around it and and i think that that's so fun but but also these are so because they are so precious and so few you also think back and, and you think of the really sad things i mean you mentioned hashim the beat um there i feel like every year there's like a big guy that it never it never works out i mean there is maybe no sadder story than over the last i don't know 15 20 years than like greg odin who has had tremendous issues and it's the whole thing of like we put so much pressure on these extremely young people these 19 year old people uh, you know sometimes sometimes younger and i mean you we know how we were when we were 19 i mean imagine the responsibility of like you are now leading a franchise you are on a contract that is not paying you your value and you're not even old enough to understand if, if this is the career you want oh by the way it will last no more than 15 years so you know save your money now i, I mean just the the impossibility of this narrative and and so sometimes when i put it in that perspective i'm like is my nostalgia for this maybe glossing over how traumatic it must be for these these youths that's an interesting question i mean on the one hand yeah like it is you know that that 15 year career is pretty much a best case scenario unless you're an alien yeah. like lebron and and really it's like orders of magnitude more likely that that career will last say 2 years instead of 10 but like at the same time I, 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 maybe maybe this is sort of a, a callous way to think about this but like that's isn't that the price of playing isn't that like the trade off for attaining like for the possibility of attaining a level of fame and fortune and glory that us jamokes who can't play basketball like could never aspire to in any way possible like the three of us the three of us put together will not make you know in our lifetimes you know a tenth of the money that LeBron makes in like six months mm-hmm. between basketball yeah. income and all of his, you know, endorsements and business dealings. Like, you know, and, and I, I think there, I, I do think there is a certain level of like 
of risk you you have to assume in order to to reap that kind of reward and so like you know caution there are cautionary tales of course you know there there are there are guys in the era when uh when you could go straight out of high school who you know who made a mistake and and reached for that lottery ticket a year or two early and like it, it's probably something we should be thinking more about as the league looks like it's clearly set to go back to that um, mm-hmm. in in the next couple of years. But like, I don't know. I I don't I don't think that should ruin your your nostalgia. No, and and I think maybe one thing that is important in that and of, of all things i i think back to was it was it last year or was it two years ago where um kwame brown set the record straight on on you know basically stop talking about me which which is that um i i think that the optimism that we had and like you know chuckling at oh you know that that didn't quite work out i think i think that that's i think that's good and that's that's fun but there's a part of kind of some of the criticism of of you know, people like Kwame Brown and I don't know, Michael Olo Candy. It's like, don't, don't for a second think that this wasn't a very hard decision for them. And they, they obviously had to grapple with what you talked about, Sean, which is, which is like, I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just saying sometimes like people being like, oh, Kwame Brown wasn't good. He didn't, he didn't work hard. And I feel like that's part of what he said when he responded to, to folks is like, I worked extremely hard. I was one of the, the best people in the world at this thing. And it just, didn't work out you know so so a that's not exactly what he said what he said was everybody who makes the nba is a a a great player and like yeah of course if your comparison set is everyone else who has ever played basketball at any level including like playground pickup games but there there is a there is a certain standard that one expects from NBA players and it is unquestionable like it is indisputable that Kwame Brown did not meet that standard in his career I, that and that's not yeah absolutely that's not meant to be a shot at Kwame Brown please I do not want six foot 11 <laughs> men slapping me in the face I do not want that at all um but but like, you know, that, that 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 line of argument has taken hold in a lot of different places. Like I heard it. I heard it on Inside the NBA last night. The 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 TNT crew was talking about how everybody who makes the NBA is great. And I'm like, look, I understand what you're trying to say, but also that's just a way to to shut down criticism. This is what happens when um, when like Lizzo uh mobilizes this the stan army to attack pitchfork critics for giving her album a mediocre review like you and and says like you you can't possibly evaluate this if you didn't make music yourself i'm just like no you have to you do have to have a bit of a thicker skin and allow for criticism but also um i'm pretty sure michael candy played four years in college so i just what i was making the face at was that those were two interestingly different players to compare on this I, front. I'm just thinking of, of people that I think were both number one picks and, and we're did not, not saying that they, are, they did not, did not work out. And yeah, I, I, I think, I think in that too, you know, Kevin, you, you 
we 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 talked about you know joe harris earlier as, as you know pro- probably the first really good uva player that were like oh he's gonna get drafted he's gonna get drafted in the second round anyways but like has proven out and i think that's one where i feel really justified because like i saw it i trusted my eyes other people should have been with me but there are also these things that we just we can't you know we as fans we can't really account for it we can wish it to be we can be optimistic and honestly i would say the same thing about you know someone like jj reddick who won all the awards in college and like we watched him and it's like this is this is a good player right this is gonna work out and it took like five years before stan van gunny was like okay you can put your shoes on and walk out on the court i I mean that's a bit of an exaggeration but Mm -hmm. he was i mean he was basically 30 years old before he he became like what we expected and there are just you know so many things going on there and and i feel like there's in the way we view it there's there's also this I think it's kind of a sorrow of like, oh, if, if only, you know, think about what Chris Bosch would be like if he had not had the, the his, uh, I think, blood clot condition and was, you know, shifted like two years, three years into the future when his career started. I mean, that's the thing I think about too. Yeah, when you look at, kind of again, like from the, the backward looking thing, you can, uh, it, it is, it can be kind of fun to play the what if game. Um, there is one one that's just randomly coming to my mind is um there's a guy for Iowa State I think his right name is Royce Young oh yeah and oh he Ro- Royce to be a really White? good basketball player the guy who Royce who White that's right yeah. planes and is now yeah, like, like a hyper conservative political candidate in Minnesota oh oh okay I didn't know about his, yeah, his latest yeah he's running against Dillon he seemed like oh. he seemed like a pretty good basketball player and he couldn't fly and is you know, based on what's happened since, like it probably wasn't gonna work out for the guy anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, you know, I, I, it's interesting when you can try to imagine why would this have worked out? Like it, he was still like he was obviously a good basketball player. All these people were obviously a good basketball. Player. Markel Fultz was obviously a good basketball player, and um, yeah, it's just it's an interesting activity and. I think another thing that for me is fun is that when you look back, it's, I, I have, I have like a lot of sports memories, but I can never like place them in years. Like if you just ask me like who won the 2012 college basketball championship, I wouldn't, I'd have to think about it for a while. But when I look at the drafts, like I can remember like so many of the storylines of, of that, of that season, like, Oh, John Wall, like, okay. Yeah. That was the year where, Deshaun Butler and West Virginia beat them in the Elite Eight and then like a bad Duke team won the title and like oh my god Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid were on the same college basketball team like that's <laughs> crazy and uh yeah so I think that that is a another fun part and, of and it. they were like the same size at that point too just Joel Embiid was a little bit taller um uh, the, the the tape will show that and and i think the 2012 one was that the unwatchable was it gonzaga yukon or yukon butler game no that, that was 2011 2012 was anthony davis ah yes yes john john calipari gets to to you know gets his one pin um but yeah i mean what what you're describing there kevin and and you know i'm thinking of west virginia memories like bob huggins uh, I forget the player. Joe Mazzula. Uh, <laughs> Joe Mazzula. Bob Huggins, like, holding the player's face in the court on, in the tournament because it's very clear that he's just 
tore up his knee and like you know those moments yeah. and like what what makes this it is it is those moments it is the the stories that build and that that comes back to being like that is the optimism of drafts and why they're fun to remember because you you're like oh, i really like kevin's pit snoggle because one his name was pit snoggle two he played at west virginia three he of course looked like that and and you just that is appealing to different folks in in different ways and i yeah i think that is the the purest form of it and and also thinking about success i mean we have these expectations and everything but uh also thinking back to uh to kwame brown ultimately he was a veteran and like what what bigger compliment can you say that someone was an nba veteran uh i read something yesterday where uh they did not refer to daniel jones by name but they they said that the new york giants are led by a veteran quarterback and i laughed aloud but i thought (laughs) what bigger compliment like it is it is so hard and like everybody is skilled and and like uh i mean just Kendrick Nunn is never going to be as good a shooter as Clay Thompson. It's not really his fault. He can work as hard as he wants. That's not going to happen. But, you know, you decide that I believe, um, uh, you know, what's cool about Clay Thompson in part is he went to Washington State and that worked out for him. And I believe Kendrick Nunn went to Cleveland State and that's worked out for him. And And they're both like, you know, they're both in the NBA. Now, different accomplishments, sure, but... I mean, like that is that is as cool as is anything you know else to me. Or when you see the guy in the tournament who went to Norfolk State and ends up, I, I, the guy escapes. Kylo Quinn, yeah, Kylo Quinn, who may still be on the Magic somewhere buried. But like the fact that he was in the NBA is cool because I'm like, hey, that's a state that I'm from, and like, did I really know that the college existed? Not important. Don't ask that question. But I feel some camaraderie. Because the story is appealing, and that is told, I think, really well through through the draft. Yeah, I, the the thing I know the thing that I love the most about that that sort of backward look years later is that like the the best part is the things that didn't go to plan, the things that you know the things that surprised you and didn't work out how you thought they might in either direction. Like, but it's also, um, it's a, it's a unbeatable. What if machine? Like I, I have, I obviously have no evidence to support this, but I also have no reason not to believe that if, the Timberwolves had drafted Stephen Curry instead of Johnny Flynn. Steph Curry would have been Johnny Flynn. Yeah. Like, yeah, these, these things, these things fall into place in a way that, that you don't necessarily see happening at the time. And like that, that to me is like the real, the real treat in looking back at these things and seeing like, whoa i cannot believe that team was able to get this guy so late or or you know you i'm sorry you drafted you drafted him what well like what could have been your thought process yeah well like draymond's a good example of that too (laughs) what if he went to any other team well and the the warriors apparently almost traded you know traded him at, at some point for for kind of junk and 
we didn't even mention the the clay thompson for kevin love rumors that existed for for years and i mean that's that's the thing too is when we go and look back at that your lens could be like oh no it's totally the the players just it, it clicked for them and and steph took the when you know Steph took the next step or no it was because Bob Myers moved um Monte Ellis because they couldn't exist there wasn't enough oxygen or no you're you're all wrong it's Joe Lacob because he said here's the money figure it out like that's you can you know no two people will agree even though we have the same results to look at um we are not results based here uh but I, I think that that's I mean, I think that that's just so enjoyable. And that's that's the nature of sports, too. Like, even even if it's like, oh, well, you know, this person has, has four championships as um, last night, uh, Clay Thompson reminded Devin Booker to the point of getting ejected from the game. Um, you can still have these these arguments. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm Devin Booker and I play for the Suns. Like, understand the yoke that is upon me, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, these, and these the way these pieces all fit together, you know, in 2019, I wanted more than anything uh, for the Pelicans after drafting Zion Williamson with the first pick. Um, they controlled the number four pick through the Lakers. And um, what I wanted was for them to draft DeAndre Hunter. To wit, what we talked about at the beginning, like this virtuous cycle of like going and dipping into my college program would have made it even sweeter. And so like I was kind of frustrated when they traded that pick to the Hawks and picked up more more selections. And it was like Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And, and like it's, you know, on the one hand, if all you do is look at the draft class you go, wait, none of the players they got out of that trade is still on the roster besides Jackson Hayes three years later. But then you go, oh, wait, no. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a key piece of the Pelicans trade for CJ McCollum, which is a pretty big part of why they're so goddamn fun right now. So, like, mm -hmm. it all, it just, I don't know. It, I, I've been, I am in a, a, a blissful NBA place right now, and, and I probably shouldn't be such a, a dick and, and lord it over lord it over <laughs> you current and lapsed wizards fans feels a little mean well you better get the episode out before that changes <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, you're you're it, the pelicans are gonna lose some games because they're missing their best defender their best the best two scores i, I don't want to like give creed i mean no one is better at scoring from zero feet away than Zion. I, I mean, and, look, and... Zion is out with a bruised ass. It's going to be fine. <laughs> um, I, there's, there, there are some. That's that's the... what a posterior hip contusion is. If you don't know that, that's a bruised <laughs> ass. Um, they should just do a sports <laughs> science, like just its own spinoff show. Is how does Zion do that? Just do an episode every week. How did he bruise that? Is that... Does that still have the UVA alum? Sports science? Oh, I don't know. Science, yeah. po point made. Our, our sports are made better because we make those connections and they are silly. And do they add anything to it? Not necessarily other than, oh, you don't a UVA know that. engineer. I mean, yeah. Go who's. Yeah, go who's. That's the takeaway, obviously. Uh, all right. Uh, let's...
let's move on to peer wait, wait, wait okay. one more question do, do we hit what would you be excited about drafting a uh, Kihei Clark to the uh, Pelicans? <laughs> Do uh, our Bob Cousy watch list? Uh, well, no, no, it's Kihei Clark. Yeah, Bob Cousy here's, watch here's list the thing: I, if if we radically change the the NBA's structure so that you actually draft like ticket sales reps, then fuck yeah, I think he'd be great at that. To play I'm basketball? Sure no, I would not. Um, We've already got one sub five nine guy. I don't think you need another. On that note, right, moving on. Uh, let's let's yep. do Pierce Asari. Um. So, the the last uh, few weeks or so, uh, or I guess it's probably more like a month and a half or two months. I have done something that previously I kind of grown to be dismissive of um kind of logically uh and in just as a as a matter of preference and viewing them but i have gone to an actual barber shop to get my my haircut which is a generous way of stating like what is is done when when hair is is removed from from my head but i've gone three times and i've had the same person uh cut my hair each time and and i think that what I did that was wrong is I have kind of um, viewed, you know, barbershops as like, you know, the idea that is a civic space that is important. I, I did not experience that. And, you know, I, I went to places in Arlington and stuff and it, it just didn't went to a couple different places. Fine. It was mostly you sat there for, for 20 minutes and nothing was said. Um, I'm glad that I opened myself up to reentering that experience. Um, you know, will I go all the time going forward? I don't know, but it has been a really nice, um, you know, place to connect with someone that you didn't necessarily want to. And and I think one thing that is in that is important to challenge yourself to be like, hey, you know, you're you're going to the grocery store, you're going to this place, you need to get this thing done. Is there an opportunity that that actually it is another social space and. Uh, I now know that this is, and I'm able to talk about stuff like the impending road widening in the area, which is right down the street from my house and, uh, you know, places to go to have a good haunted house experience, uh, in the Atlanta area. And I would have not gotten that if I had continued to be like, I don't need that or whatever. I don't want to pay for that, but I am, it is a professional. So I do get that out of it, but it's not just you know, a, a professional person who, who knows how to wield a, a buzzer. It is also someone who every hour of their working day is having these little conversations with people and is really good at it. And uh, that that has value. And so I'm sorry for, for thinking that those spaces were gone or I was too good for that space because that was wrong. So go, go, go enjoy a barbershop. Or, or yeah, or whatever the, the barbershop is for you. Like, I yeah. I am I am delighted after a a very long stretch of um through laziness and cheapness cutting my own hair and just doing like a buzz cut every time I decided a few years ago I was like I've got I I've got to stop doing this and I need to start getting like you know professional haircuts done again and so I really kind of started going with some regularity when I was in Maryland for grad school. Um, 
and it was like a place that I didn't really engage much with. Um, but uh, moving to Richmond, I like I've now locked in on a barbershop that I really like, and I've got like a guy, and like I make specific appointments with him, and mm. it is very much like that communal space and it's it's kind of always buzzing there's a bunch of people there um and uh the the guy who cuts my hair like has the closest chair to the door and is kind of insistent on like you know uh, forcing the issue and like at least engaging with pretty much everybody that walks in the door in some form or fashion it's like it's really cool yeah i can even let slide that he is a dirty rotten yankees fan that that makes it better that that well, makes the me, jokes on him yeah, now uh, no. where your I, I very i, I kind of i i upset him a little bit uh when i got, got my hair cut last weekend uh because i asked him i asked something about it after i guess it was after game two um and to be honest i i asked because i sort of i figured it was fine because the yankees were going to come back and win at least one game they didn't <laughs> uh all right, uh, let's uh, let's do. I don't know. I don't really have. I don't know that I really have a big idea from pop culture right now. I've been. I've actually been in a mode of like taking stuff out rather than putting stuff in. I, I hit a point uh, when when those neo Nazis hung the banner on the four hundred five in Los Angeles saying that. Kanye was right about the Jews and I said you know what nope I I I, I've tried I tried real hard to do the separate the art from the artist thing and I just I can't do it with this guy anymore so I've been systematically calling Kanye West out of my life in in every form or fashion uh, that I can um so that's kind of taken up my my time but you know I guess maybe the big idea is like is that there, there probably are, are ought to be lines for you too, where you, you think about that and, you know, have to make some tough decisions. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, yeah. it's not like these, these sports franchises, you are not beholden to these people. If you, you disagree with them or they make you uncomfortable, like yeah. you, you don't have to listen to Kanye. You, True. you don't have to do it. Uh, what we are beholden to though, is uh, doing a Rolling Stone rock trivia question. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that we're, we're recording this in, in the week of Pierce's wedding, which is why I'm going to choose a question that will be a, a direct favor to Kevin. Nice. Um, or maybe it won't be. And, and we'll all, we'll all laugh about it. Metallica <laughs> launched a crusade against Napster after getting pissed about the leak of which song? Was it A, The Unforgiven, B, a demo version of I Disappear, C, St. Anger, D, an alternate version of Enter Sandman, or E, a 17-minute Lars Ulrich drum solo? I think it's St. Anger because... That that would make sense given that I watched the documentary. Also, I just wanna I wanna insert the joke here of like, uh, Lars has never played a, a solo for that long. No one would let him do that. 
but you know, I will I will step back now and let Kevin answer this correctly. I'll say B. All right. There will be no jokes at Kevin's expense today. It is correct. The demo version of I Disappear is oh, what led one. to the right. crusade against Napster. So it was really just, I had no idea that was the answer. I could just eliminate all the other answers. You so. truly are the best man. <laughs> what does Pierce have a magic number at this point or what's the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the that's good, a good, uh, rankings Oh, that's update. a good, that is a good question. I mean, we, I, you'd say we have roughly like seven or eight more depending on people's travel plans the rest of the year and uh, max doesn't have any chance to catch him because uh where we are in the standings right now is that uh max is in last place at 30 percent even he's answered 30 questions and got nine correct kevin you are at 36.4 percent you're 12 for 33 and pierce is uh, pierce is at uh 12 uh, 17 for 40 a blistering uh 42.5 percent uh so you do have a a chance to catch him uh but you've got to go on an unholy tear uh the rest of the year you have to go trey murphy yeah gotta go eight for eight let's go um and, and, and also I, hope I, I that said... uh, you know that pierce doesn't get any wrong let's let's just say for the sake of very imprecise argument that pierce's magic number is like three if he gets three more yeah. questions right there's absolutely no chance or or it's just i make the same guess as kevin every time which i will not do because that's not that's not fun we do this for fun well, yes i made you guess first this time because yeah. yeah. that's um, yeah um, all right. Well, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about something else. Uh, and and I, I don't know for certain exactly what our schedule will be in the next few weeks, given uh, wedding and wedding related travel. But uh I think we will will at most take one week off at some point, depending on how many episodes we've got in the can. But we'll uh, we will definitely be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.